So we're in week three of our series called Pure, and we've been talking about purity. And, and even though in today's culture that's kind of an outdated thought, an old-fashioned thought, if you will, we believe that there are a ton of good reasons why we should live a pure life. And so first week, I just tried to motivate you and basically say this, that when we honor God with our sexuality, God will honor us. You know, so often when we hear a message on purity, it's like, you don't want this bad consequence, you don't want that bad consequence, and that's okay, and that's biblical even to do. But more than that, what would motivate us incredibly is to think that when we honor God and we do things his way, he wants to honor us right back. He wants to bless us right back. He wants to basically um, take what we've done and say, okay, because you have honored me, I want to stand with you. I want to honor you. And uh, we kind of unpack that. And so that's a great motivation to start. And then last week, we just kind of got serious. We took the gloves off. We realized we got to come out swinging. That, that basically when it comes to sexual sin, we can't play around with it anymore. It's not cute. We can't, you know, kind of keep it close and kind of hang on to it. And, you know, it is trying to destroy our salvation. It's trying to rob from us a relationship with Jesus. And we got to come out swinging. We got to come out fighting and cut out whatever's going on in our lives. Gouge it out, cut it off, and, and, and just get extreme with our sexual sin. So that's where we've been. Uh, tonight, I want to take us in a little bit of a further direction. And if you're kind of thinking like, Doug, I, I, I leave, you know, kind of maybe challenged or a little bit encouraged, you know, but, but I'm still kind of waiting for it all to come together. I just want to let you know that's coming next week. Week four, I think, will kind of just bring all that we've talked about together and give you some very, very practical stuff to do and something that you need to know about yourself that's really, really life-changing. So that's where we're headed. But tonight I want to answer a couple questions. Uh, because there are some questions that are really, really important that always come up. And I'm going to kind of get us there with this. Um, a few years ago, my good friend and compadre, Joseph Lucci, began saying, we need to have a softball team. We need to have a softball team. And I was like, we're not having a softball team. And so we began to fight about the softball thing. And eventually he won. And we decided, okay, we are going to have a softball team. And not only did we have a softball team, but I became sort of obsessed with softball. Okay? And so I want to show you something that my good other compadre, Andrew, and I purchased recently. Um, this is called a swing away, and it's a batting tool, and it's pretty intense, and it's basically to train you to hit line drives, and basically trains you to know where to hit the ball, so you can put the ball where you want to put it, and there's all these cool drills you can do with it, and it just takes a second to set up, as you can see here, so it's very convenient, and so any day of the week, you can come down here, and uh, you can pretty much find Uncle Doug downstairs swinging away at these softball things, just trying to get better. And the real reason that we did this is because we were kind of asking two questions all the time, okay? And so I'm not going to swing because I'd either break the drum shield or the bat would go flying and kill one of you. So I'm not going to swing. But um, basically, you stand here, man. You can adjust height. Uh, you can turn this thing so you learn how to either pull it or push it. I mean, all kinds of cool stuff. And the reason that we went to these lanes is because Andrew and I, the way our brain kind of works... We, we ask questions. We ask questions. You know, there's nothing more frustrating than getting a good hit and getting on base and being like, yeah, I know how I did that. You know, like, it's really frustrating, okay? And so Andrew and I began asking the questions, well, okay, when it comes to hitting a line drive, what's so frustrating on our team anyway is there are a lot of really, really good deep hitters. Now, I'm not one of the deep hitters, but there's some guys who can just crush the ball. And so what happens is the, the guys on the other team, they just keep backing up, and eventually all our balls start getting kept catched, caught, caught it, caught it. And uh, so what, what, what's so frustrating when that happens is, is I'm standing at home plate and I'm looking out and there are hundreds and hundreds of feet between me and these outfielders, like another zip code away. And for whatever reason, I can't drop the ball in 
in front of them. I, I, I always end up flying out, you know, that's kind of my normal deal. And so when I'm, when I'm up there, uh, the question I ask a lot is, all right, am I swinging too hard? Like, in other words, how far is too far? Like, how hard to swing this bat is too hard, you know? And so how far is too far? Because usually I'll just crank it out and then I get caught out. What I want to learn how to do is swing at the right speed and the right power, get my wrist in the right angle so I can just drop that thing right down, okay? So that's one. Another question, why? Why? Why did that just happen? In other words, I'm up and somehow, I don't know how I did this, but I, I pushed the ball the opposite way and I got on base. Why did that just happen? Why, why was it that the way I hit the ball, why was it, was it my body? Was it the way I moved my legs? Was it how long I waited for the ball to come? Now, these are all questions that I ask, and you can see not only am I dedicated, but very mentally ill. Um, but these are all questions I ask, and this is why we have this. How far is too far and why? And those are the same questions so many people ask about purity. Whenever we do like a Q&A type thing, the question always comes up, how far is too far? How far is too far? Like, like, can I get away with this? Can I not get away with that? We all have different kind of ideas of how far is too far, of what we might think God might like and what God might not like and what he kind of maybe doesn't quite you know, catch on in time about. And so, so how far is too far? Always, always ask that question. And then why? Why is it too far? Not just like, oh, well, it's too far, but, but why is it too far, right? And, and this is a big deal because we like to know why. You know, and, and I have fallen into my father's footsteps where uh, when I was a kid, I used to always ask why, and he would say, because I said so, and now I do that, and it's terrible. And God is a much better dad than me because he doesn't just say, because I said so. You see, I think most of us in the room, if we were to say, well, this is the reason that God says this is too far, we, we would come up with these answers. If Christians would say, well, it's just because I love him, I guess he's saying so, and so I should do it. And, and if you're not a father of Jesus, you'd probably say, well, he's just out to kind of ruin our fun. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of where it falls, and, and, and there's no why. But what if God's a really good God, and he doesn't just say, don't go past here. He actually tells us why not to go past there. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight, and that's what we're going to discover. So don't fall asleep on me, okay? Uh, honestly, with the scriptures that we have, I don't think anyone will be falling asleep tonight. It's a lovely thing to have your attention so well through this sex series. It's wonderful. Everyone's like, huh, just looking, you know? But um, how far is too far? And why? That's what you'll miss out if you fall asleep now. And if you're not a Christian, um, what we've been saying through this series is we just, I, I, let me just speak for myself. I believe something about you. You know what I believe? I believe that there is a longing in your heart for true satisfaction. Now, sex is satisfying for a time, okay? Um, this is not an anti-sex series. You know, so often you hear the church is anti-sex and this and that. No, God created sex. It's his thing. It's his gift. It's beautiful and awesome and amazing. But the problem is, is so often we make our life about sex and we aim ourselves at sex and we keep getting frustrated because it's not truly satisfying. It is for a time, but then eventually you just have to go back to it. And you know what that's called when you have to continue to go back to something over and over again to find satisfaction? It's called addiction. And so there's porn addiction and there's sex addiction and there's all kinds of addictions and, and struggles and things that we go to. And I just believe about you that you want something more than that. Not that you don't want sex, but that you want something more than that to actually give you satisfaction. And tonight, as we talk about this, I hope you'll see who that is and why that is. And so um, we're going to kind of do something a little bit different tonight. I'm going to come across a little bit like an attorney tonight because basically what I've got to do is, is tell you how far is too far. And I believe we're going to see those answers in Scripture right in the middle of the verses we're going to read tonight. You'll see that answer. But along with that, I've got to answer why. And so I'm going to kind of build my case. Why? And it's really not me. It's, it's God speaking through Paul because he gives us all these reasons why 
we should look at what God says is pure and be okay with it and say, wow, that, that's actually not only okay with me, but that's awesome. Like, I can't believe God loves me so much to put this parameter on my life to protect and to bless me. You know, I said last week that so often if, if this is the edge, you know, like I said, I've fallen off the, the stage before when I had sprained my ankle last week because of softball, last year rather. Um, I was coming off the stage after the six on my crutches and I just went flying into the front row. But um, if, if, if you want to, don't laugh, you guys are freaks, man. If, uh, if you don't want to fall off the stage, you just you back up, right? You back up, you get as far away. And so often we, in our culture, we're standing right here, right? We're standing right at the edge. Like, okay, if, if, if that's falling off, then I'm staying right here. If I can get away with this much and still have God not mad at me, then I'm going to stand right here. And what I think, I hope and pray is that when we see how far is too far and then when we see why it's too far, that we'll actually take some steps back. We're always pushing. You know, today I was, I gutted a bathroom yesterday in my house and I was rebuilding it today and putting sheetrock up and, and I have uh, this insulation that I was putting in and, and I said to my kids, I'm like, don't touch the insulation because there's fiberglass in there. And, but it looks like cotton candy, you know. So, no, 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 don't eat it, you know. And, and so I just said, uh, don't, don't touch it, right? And so I'm literally watching my eight-year-old, after I say that, go like this. And he's looking at me like this as his finger's getting closer and closer. And I think that's what you and I do when it comes to our purity, right? It's like we're just, we're just looking at God. We're like, is this, is this okay? Am I going to get in trouble here? Am I going to get slapped yet, you know? And so... What I hope, guys, is that we'll start to back away from that line a little bit and we'll start to really live pure lives. And so let's look at 1 Corinthians 6. And the crazy thing about these verses is that Paul is actually writing to people who were in a worse place than we are. The Corinthians, they actually believed a couple of different things. One was they believed in temple prostitution. And so literally, they believed an act of worship was to come and see a temple prostitute in a church setting, okay? So that's a little bit darker than our culture, believe it or not. Like, we talk like this is old-fashioned, you know? Like, oh, this is all old-fashioned stuff. Well, 2,000 years ago, that's what was going on in the world, okay? Along with that, you have the Corinthians who believed that what they did with their bodies had no bearing on their relationship with God. So in other words, it was completely compartmentalized. So what I do with God is over here, and what I do with my body is over here. And Paul's trying to convince them of something. And so he says, look, the body, in verse 13, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And so here's Paul being a prosecuting attorney here, right? And he's going, look, the first reason, the, the reason you shouldn't use your body for sexual sin is because it's not meant for that. It wasn't made for that. And God is your creator, and he's allowed to tell you what it's meant for. And, and just think about this for a second. If your body is aimed at something it's not meant for, what does that tell you? It's going to leave you frustrated and disappointed and unsatisfied every single time. Because God's telling you, look, that's not going to satisfy you. It's a good thing when used the right way. It's great. But you know what? If you aim your life at that, toward sexual sin, sexual immorality, not going to be satisfied. I'm just telling you. And Paul's just giving us good advice here. My son Landon likes to put everything in his mouth. Everything in his mouth. Like, if, if you, one of my neighbors, you hear me say a hundred times, like, Landon, get that out of your mouth. That's not food. Landon, Batman's head is not food, you know? Your shirt is not food. Your sister's foot is not food, right? Get it out of your mouth, right? I mean, Landon, think this through. You bite off Batman's head. How's that going to feel coming out? You know, he's got those little horns, okay? So let's just work through that. Don't picture that, okay? Um, 
But, but what am I saying to him? I'm saying, look, buddy, <laughs> I love you. I, I, I know you think for whatever reason, Batman's head is going to satisfy you right now. I'm just telling you, that's meant for something else. And if you want to go into the kitchen, we'll get some food, that will satisfy you. And that's what God's trying to say here. That's what Paul's trying to say. Look, if you aim your life at sex, you're just going to be disappointed every time because it's not what your body is meant for, but it's for the Lord. And then we kind of see the opposite statement here. Not only is our body for the Lord, but the Lord is for our body. So here's Paul bringing up another great reason. Why not live impurity, impurely? Because God is for your body. He, he loves you, and he wants to preserve and protect you, and he knows the consequences that come with sex and porn and all these things outside of marriage. He knows and he's going, look, I'm for you, man. I'm for your body. I'm, I'm not trying to limit you. I'm trying to fight for you. I'm trying to protect you, and I'm for you. And I know, uh, you know, I mean, we could list all the stuff, right? Pregnancies and diseases and, I mean, addictions and habits and leads to broken marriages and divorce. And, I mean, all the stuff. And God's going, I'm for you. I'm for you. So, so why should you live purely? Why should you honor me with your body? Because, well, first of all, your body's not meant for sexual sin. But secondly, because man, I'm for you and I want to protect you. Then verse 14 gives us another reason. He says, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Well, why live purely? Because there's gonna be a day that Jesus is gonna raise your body. Like my mom passed away two weeks ago. And you know what? She's not in a cemetery in Huntington. She's raised. She's with Jesus. She's with her savior right now. And I think Paul's just trying to get us to think a little bit for a second. Like, okay, you're gonna aim your life at sexual immorality. Don't you realize, like, you're saved? Don't you realize that Jesus came for you? Don't you realize that there will be a day you will see Jesus face to face and you're gonna trade a relationship with him or intimacy with him or closeness with him for this temporary fleeting thing? He says, look, we're going to be raised one day. And then he gets really challenging and honestly uncomfortable. The next few verses, he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Another reason. This is kind of crazy. We're getting into stuff we don't really think about all that much, honestly. Like, we, okay, yes, I'm saved. they will be raised one day. Yes, my body's not meant for sex. I guarantee you probably haven't thought about this verse too much. Your, your bodies are members of Christ himself. What does that mean? Well, it's kind of, honestly, a little bit of a mystery, but the Bible is full of verses that talk about how when you and I come into a relationship with Jesus, we're joined with Christ, right? Have you ever heard somebody say that we're supposed to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? What do they mean? That we're like extensions of Jesus. We're, we're supposed to go out, you know, like when the storm hit around here and we were cutting trees down and helping people out, you know, people kept saying that, oh, you're being the hands and the feet of Jesus, because we're united with Jesus. So we, we walk out, and now these hands and these feet get to be used basically as Jesus' hands and feet, right? Did you ever think that in the same way these hands and these feet can be used to be Jesus to people, that these same hands which belong to Jesus, which somehow kind of mysteriously are members of Jesus himself can be used sexually now? Right, what a challenge. And he goes on, he makes it even more uncomfortable. He says, shall I take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? He says, never. So wait a minute, not only are these hands Jesus' hands, and not only is this body Jesus' body and somehow literally a member of who he is, but, 
But would you, if that's true, would you take Jesus' members, Jesus' hands, and would you, would you touch your girlfriend there? Would you touch your boyfriend there? Would you unbutton? Would you look at that with Jesus' eyes? Would you think about that with Jesus' mind? I mean, that gets really kind of uncomfortable, doesn't it? When you start to think you're walking around as a member of Jesus' body, that you're using these hands and, and we can use our minds and, and all these different members of our body in ways that we would never feel comfortable uniting Jesus with. None of us would ever think, and this is so uncomfortable even for me to talk about, but we would never say, Jesus, take your hands and go touch her there. Huh, that sounds like wrong to say. Yet that's what Paul's saying. We are members of Jesus. It's like, would you ever unite him with a prostitute? No. Would you ever look at that with his eyes? Would you ever say, hey, Jesus, come here. I want you to see this image on this screen. Isn't she awesome? No. Well, that's what we're doing with these eyes, though. That's what we're doing with these minds. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. And yet, isn't it crazy? Married couples in the room, sometimes the thoughts that we allow to play out in our minds, as if it's just us. It's just we're, we're our own. And so we let these things play out. And so how far is too far? Well, too far is anything you'd be uncomfortable using Jesus' body to do. Just think about that. Let that be your new filter. You know, ah, you know, we got a little heated the other night with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, but I'm not sure we went too far. Well, would you take Jesus' hands and do what you did? Would you take the rest of Jesus' body and do what you did? Those of us who are struggling with thought life, would you, would you sit and, and, list, and, you know, and think about those same things? Would you look at those same images on a TV screen? Would you listen to the same music? If, if you realize these are Jesus' ears, man, would you tell the same joke? Would you listen to the same sexual joke? If you began to think, this is the mouth of Jesus, this is the ears of Jesus, I, I'm united with him. Now suddenly I've got a line because I'm not gonna do anything these, with these hands I wouldn't be comfortable doing with Jesus' hands. I'm not gonna do anything with these eyes I wouldn't be comfortable doing with Jesus' eyes. And so we got how far is too far, and, and kind of in the middle of that, Paul takes us further with some more reasons, and he kind of goes back to lawyer mode, and he says, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. So what Paul's addressing with this church specifically is the problem that Christians are sleeping with prostitutes. You may be going, well, I'm not doing that. Okay, but again, would you take your hands, would you take your mind, would you take your eyes and, and do those things if they were literally the hands and mind and eyes of Jesus? And he's going, look, you don't understand. And guys, this is so true. I just want you to think about this. Just think about this. I, I mean, I don't really feel like I have to drive this point home too much because we know this if we just take the time to stop and think that when you and I sin sexually, it, it, it's really kind of different than any other kind of sin. That the two become one. That there's like a unity that takes place when two bodies come together, even if it's not full-on sex, as some of us might define it. Because I just want you to think for a second. You know, as, as I kind of like do counseling, which honestly I'm terrible at, find somebody better than me, but, but when I do counseling, and, and I, I'm trying to help. I'm not, not like, I don't want to, but I'm just not good at it. But, but when, I, when I try to help somebody, you know, so often 
what I see, the, the most difficult relationship to get somebody out of when there's a dating relationship or an engagement and, and it's just a train wreck and they're miserable and, and they're coming to me or one of them's coming to me like, I don't know how to get out of The hardest one always is the one that is so sexually entangled. That's like they'll break up for a day and they're back together, break up for a day, they're back together, you know, it's just like break up or just I'm gonna kill you. You know what I mean? It's just like, this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, but, but they're so entangled. What happened? What happened? They're, they're united, man. They're united. You and I know that. You know, I know that. We, we look back on our past and we see times when we were with people that weren't our spouse. And there's this strange, usually now at this point, guilty, regretful unity with that person. And I would say even, I mean, if you took this verse out of the Bible and just said to somebody walking down the street, hey, do you believe this is true? They go, yeah, man. I mean, I wouldn't recommend that. It'd be a little bit strange. But, you know, I, I think that we get this. We can see the truth in this. Then he goes on and he takes the case a little bit further. He says, all right, so two become one sexually and morally, but, but he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So if you're united to God, then you're gonna go and sleep around or you're gonna go and look at that? So, so wait, who are you united to, right? Are you united to, to him or are you united to her? Are you united to him or to porn? He's like, don't, don't take that unity. See, that's a beautiful unity you have. I mean, does any of us in the room who has unity with Jesus want that undone? Do we wanna even disconnect for a little while? You know, I'm not even saying we're gonna lose our salvation because of, of this tonight. I'm just saying, do we, do we even want to kind of like say, all right, Jesus, I'll see you later. I'm going with her now, you know? Because that's what we do when we choose to walk that way. Then he says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from it. And this is just kind of follow-up from last week. Don't play with it. Don't think it's cute. Don't keep it hanging around. Run. Flee. Get out. Do whatever it takes to get away from sexual immorality. He gives us another reason here. He says, all other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. So here's another reason why not you shouldn't sin sexually is because it's really, it's against you. It's against you. You know, we think of gossip, ass, ah, sin against him, lying, ah, I fooled her, cheated on a test, or, you know, stole something, ah, you know, I sinned against them. But man, when you sin sexually, you, you're sinning against you because of the consequences and because of the, Think of that, this word, the vulnerability. You are so vulnerable when you sin sexually. You know why we're so vulnerable? Because think about the power you're giving another person over you. Think about the power you're giving an image on a screen over you or I, right? We become so vulnerable. We, I have seen big, tough guys who laugh at most stuff and can just get through life and, and, can, and can walk through kind of any tough circumstance like brought down to the place of a broken little child because of porn or sex. You're so vulnerable. I, we are so vulnerable when we choose to sin sexually because it's really, truly sinning against us. Verse 19, do you not know, and this is beautiful, some of those were bad, now we're gonna get good, okay? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you've received from God. So another reason Paul's going, look, don't you know that you are the building of the Holy Spirit? You're, you're the house 
of God. You know, I always laugh when I'm, I'm here in church and someone's telling me a story and, uh, and they'll say something like, I'm not, I'm not making that up, man. I can't lie, I'm in church. I'm like, oh, cool, cool. if I was at your house, you lie to me about it? It's like, is that what you're saying? You know, but, but I just think about that. Like, people like respect this building, which isn't a bad thing, I guess, right? But they respect this. Like, I can't lie, I'm in church, right? I can't lie now, I'm in the house of God. Yeah, but you shouldn't lie later because you are the house of God. You are the building of God. Like, like why does walking out of this physical building make you and I any less conscious of what we would do? And I think so often we, we just forget that God's spirit lives in us. And, and if, if Jesus, like in the flesh, was walking through our day with us, I just don't think we would make a lot of the decisions we make. Because he'd be right there. I mean, if, if literally I could walk with him through my day tomorrow, if you could walk with him through your day tomorrow, I just wonder, would we, would we maybe not look that long anymore? Would we maybe not end up in the back of the car with the girlfriend? We, you know, I, I just have to believe that we'd live differently. And yet, I know it's hard because we don't have physical Jesus standing right there, but we have the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, in us, and we are the house of that spirit. And so Paul's saying, look, don't, don't abuse that. Take care of that and honor God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. You, you were literally rescued when you didn't deserve it. You were rescued by somebody that you hated, that you cursed and didn't want anything to do with, and he came for you, and he loves you, and he wants to protect and preserve you. And so he wants you to be saved from the consequences and the brokenness and the hurt and the unsatisfaction that is found in aiming our lives at sex. Sex is beautiful. Sex is great. But it's not to be aimed at. It's to be enjoyed. It's to be cherished. It's, it's wonderful, but it's not to be lived for. And we live in a time where so many do live for it. And so he's saying, look, you were bought, man. You, you were rescued out. Don't forget, you didn't deserve this. Don't forget, you've got a God that's crazy for you. And now, honor him with your purity. Honor him with your purity. Walk with him. I have to believe we would live differently if we could just get all this through us. That we would understand how far is too far. That we would understand why it's too far. That we would really understand that anything we wouldn't use Jesus' body for is too far. Anything you wouldn't look at with Jesus' eyes is too far. Any amount of time you wouldn't look at somebody. You know, sometimes that gets us in trouble. It's just, we just get stuck there. We're just looking too long. And we're gonna talk about that next week. Just looking too long. Just thinking too long. Just, you know, it's almost like you catch yourself doing it and you have that opportunity. We're really getting into this next week to go, okay, no. But you don't say no. And we keep that thought running. Would I do that? with Jesus' mind? Would I end up in her apartment by ourselves if Jesus were walking here with me? Would I end up on this website 
if Jesus were here hanging out with me. Anything you wouldn't use Jesus' body parts for is too far. And I understand, that's weird, man. That's, that's straight up uncomfortable, that bottom line right there. But that's what Paul uses to distinguish look, this is crazy, man. We can't be going this way anymore. We, we can't keep living like we've been living. We can't keep saying this is okay when it's not okay. And that is where we find our line. And so why is that too far? Why is that too far? Why would anything beyond that be too far? Well, let's just read through them because the body isn't meant for sexual immorality. There's something better to live for because the Lord is for your body. He's trying to protect you and keep you because you'll be raised when you die. There'll be a day you see Jesus and you will, you will not have wished, oh, if I'd only sinned sexually one more time, if, I, if I'd only done more of that, I really regret I didn't do more of that. No, when you and I see Jesus, we'll be grateful for the times we honored him with our bodies because we're members of Christ because these are the hands of Jesus. And I wouldn't use Jesus' hands in ways that I might use mine because the two become one because there's this unity that takes place. And when we become one, we are then attached and we are vulnerable and we are open to really being stuck in many ways. When we sin sexually, we sin against our own body. We're out hurting ourselves. We could just see that and get that for what it is. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We house God and he's with us. And we're not our own. We were bought with a price. I know that's heavy stuff. I know that's really hard to to think about and look at, it's not gonna be a bumper sticker, I guarantee you. It's not gonna be a Christmas card this year. You know, dear grandma, you know, I mean, there's just no way because that's just, that's just uncomfortable. But, but man, that is, that's the filter. And I wanna make sure I close this series out with our, with our coin. You've been here, you've seen this, but we gotta keep this front and center or you walk out feeling like a piece of garbage tonight. The coin called grace that has two sides to it, grace for forgiveness, so yes, look at me, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Don't sit around and be like, yeah, I was united with him or her, and oh man, and, no, no, you're forgiven. He loves you. Oh man, I have been so stuck at porn. And yeah, but you're forgiven. There's grace in your life. You're in a relationship with Jesus. You are forgiven. But then we gotta flip the coin around and we gotta see the other side of grace, which is empowerment. Yes, you're forgiven, but you are just as empowered. See, most of us believe we're forgiven. We just don't believe we're empowered. And we're gonna talk a lot about that next week. But you're empowered to live this life. You're empowered to do the things that Paul wrote. And in fact, in another place, just a few chapters later, Paul wrote this. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So if you're here tonight going, like, I don't need to hear about this purity stuff, be scared, okay? Watch your back. Okay, because pride goes before destruction. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. So if you're here going, oh man, you don't understand. Like nobody's tempted like I am, man. It's just everywhere. It's everywhere I go. It's everywhere I look. It's, you, you see, I'm tempted like you're not. Nah, nah, we're all tempted. Every temptation is common to man. You're not alone. That's the biggest lie of the devil, especially with sexual sin. Get you to think you're the only one who's ever struggled with that. Guarantee you there's, there's people sitting right around you struggling with the same thing. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you're empowered to live, to overcome. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. You see, you're not alone in your sexual sin. God is with you. And God is there. And, and he desires 
that you use the members of Jesus, your body, in ways that will honor him. And so you can know, all right, I'm not gonna use the members of Jesus, I'm not gonna use the body parts of Jesus to look at that or touch that or go there. But instead, because I am empowered and the grace of God is in my life, not just forgiveness, but for empowerment, I can live a pure life. And when I struggle and I fall, there's forgiveness still there. But man, let's stop using that as an excuse. And let's use the empowerment that God gives. And so I hope tonight, man, you just know you are loved. You're loved. You're loved. I know tonight you're hearing, you know, what may sound like a lot of rules and a lot of do this and don't do that. You're loved. And that's why you hear sometimes do this and don't do that. It's because you're loved. My kids here don't do this and do that all day long because I love them. And, uh, if I stay sane, I will continue to do that because I love them. And it's not about them earning my love. I'm not saying, you know what, don't eat the cotton candy looking insulation because I want you to earn my love. I'm saying it because I love you. I want you to be okay. And that's what God's doing for you. Don't go there, man. That's not what life's about. It's not what your body's about. I'm for your body. I'm gonna raise you one day. You're gonna see me face to face. Two become, two become one. And your hands, your eyes, your mind, and the rest of your body are the members of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So use these bodies to honor him. And you got that line now. Anything you wouldn't use Jesus' body parts for is too far. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's practical. And uh, God, we just come to you Again, just needing that grace, Lord. And I thank you for the grace, God. I thank you that's not a sham, Lord. It's not just an easy way out of the end of the message so nobody's mad at me, but it's the truth. And I pray that you'd be with us, God. I pray that you would give us all that we need to be able to live this life for you. If you're a Christian, would you think about the ways that you have used your body? And I'm not talking about all these years ago and it's not an issue anymore. I'm talking about what today, what are the things, what are the be it your eyes, be it your, the, the jokes you listen to, so it's your ears, be it the, the mouth, the way you, you talk, it's uh, uh, the mind, the things you think about, it's your hands, it's where your feet take you, it's the rest of your body. And I want you to think and say, okay, what are the ways that I use my body in ways I would never use Jesus' body, in ways I would never feel comfortable seeing him use his hands or, or his eyes? And I want you to bring those things to God. I want you to ask him, to just begin to free you and begin to give you the strength that you need, the way out. Be able to take the way out that you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear, but that you can take that way out. So would you do that? And if you're not a follower of Jesus and some of this is making sense tonight and you're hearing about a God that came for you and loves you and is trying to protect and preserve you and has the best in mind for you, then maybe you want to begin a relationship with this God. You want to begin to know this God. You want a savior so that you have forgiveness and you have empowerment in your life. Then I want to just give you an opportunity to just begin a conversation with Jesus right now. And it's between you and him. No one's going to ask you, hey, did you pray this? We're not going to ask you to fill a card out or come up here on the stage or anything. It's just you and him. And if that's where you're finding yourself tonight, wanting a savior, wanting forgiveness and wanting empowerment, then there's the one way I know how to get it. And so I'd ask you to just say something like this in your heart. Jesus, save me. I need your grace 
for forgiveness of all my sin. Please forgive me, God, for my sexual sin and all my other sin, all the ways I've done things that are against you. And God, I also ask for your empowerment that I begin to see your life inside of me. I'd be able to begin to overcome the struggles that I so frequently have. And I thank you for this amazing gift. I was talking with a couple of guys this week and they were sharing that God has been doing exactly what we're talking about tonight in their life. They're beginning to see the empowerment of God at work in them. And what they both said is that it's just all about that relationship with him. It's all about bringing these issues to him and trusting in him to do the work in their lives that they can't do on their own. And so I just wanted to leave you with a little bit of hope tonight that people your age, living in the same world you are, same temptations and same struggle, not some old married guy like me, but they're finding by God's grace strength, and they're not perfect, but they're finding new victories. And you can too.